Hey guys, Ryan DeMint, True Podcast. Welcome back. Another week in the books. I'm excited to share this week's topics. Rents are skyrocketing. Four home buying trends that are gonzo. And change is on our front doorstep. Stay tuned and let's get to it. All right, guys, it is crazy in the rental world, and I found this article, and I read it, and I could not believe it. I had to go back and re-verify it and look at a couple other data points. Rents are shocking the rental market and the renters out there. If you're a renter, pay attention. Rents have gone up more than 10% in the last 60 days. And you have some cities in Florida and Georgia where rents rose 25% or more. And there's no let up. Just for the simple fact, there's a lack of inventory and we all want more space or we can't. Uh, afford a house right now because we've been priced out of the market and so we have to rent. It's crazy. I'm looking at some of these numbers and I just cannot believe it. The average median rent for a two-bedroom apartment soared 13% in the month of August to $1,663. That's more than my mortgage on my house. I know that doesn't say much, but I'm just putting it in perspective. In New York, I read this article, and let me read a quote from it. For the New York market, landlords are raising rent prices as much as 70% now that people are flooding back into the city city as offices and entertainment venues open up. In July, the median asking price of rent surged to $3,000 compared to the pandemic low of 2750 in January 2021. Wow. That's crazy town. So we continue to raise rents. We're pricing people out of the housing market if you want to buy a house. Where are people going? Are we going to start creating a market or a group of people that cannot afford rent and to buy a house? And are they going to become what? I mean, everybody can't continue to pay these huge amounts of rent or mortgages to have a roof over their head. There's a certain breaking point that this has to change. And if we continue to have double-digit increases in rent, where are people going to live? We need more affordable housing, whether it's for rentals or for purchases. But no one seems to want to jump up and down and say, I want to do that. There's a lot of talk about it, but there's no one saying, I want to go do it. Out here in Phoenix, 
a really bad neighborhood of, of Phoenix, you're still paying 400000 close to it for a house. I've been doing this way too long to be surprised by this, but guess what? I am surprised by it. And I don't know if there's any let up in this. And it's scary to say the least because we will not be able to find houses, apartments, duplex, triplexes, whatever people need to live in to put a roof over their head if we continue at this crazy rate. There is, there's, it doesn't seem like there's any let up. And what are we doing to ourselves? We're, we're creating this market that is overheated. And at some point, it needs to slow down, correct, however you want to say it. But at the end of the day, it also needs to be affordable for all that are looking to live here, um, especially in the rental market. You know, if you can't buy a house and you're priced out, I get that. And there's always time for the market to correct or adjust to where it comes back to you. But the rental market shouldn't be in lockstep with the housing market and it jumped through the roof also. Now you've, now you've really created a, an environment to where people truly can't afford to rent or buy. So where do they go? Do they go back and live with their parents? Do they go, you know, somewhere else where they can afford it potentially? Um, do they start living out of a van? I mean, I don't know. I don't have that answer. But to me, it's one, disappointing, and two, is sad that we continue to drive these numbers up so far to where people can't afford to rent also. And then, oh, by the way, there's this thing that's sitting out there that you know, we talk about, but no one wants to really say anything about uh, and do something about it is inflation. It's eating at your wallet and my wallet. And that's not going away anytime soon until the Fed decides to start making some changes on their end. Rate hikes, tapering back their purchases. I mean, there's, there's things that they can pull, but they're saying, oh, if we do a couple rate hikes, we'll get inflation under 2%. I don't think so. There's a lot more other issues uh, sitting out there that we need to address. I mean, look at gas. We're paying $1.50 more a gallon today than we did three years ago. That's eating at your wallet. And oh, by the way, we're out begging for OPEC to produce more, but we have our own ability to produce on our own shores, but that was wiped out. And that's, guys, that's political, and I'm not going back and forth. I'm just talking about we need to be self-sufficient, and that's where I got to in this whole rental market. We have to find a way to be self-sufficient to help everyone that's looking for a place to live that they can call home that's safe to them and affordable. I mean, you can't, it just, the laws of, supply and demand is just out of control right now and i'm i i just i'm i'm dumbfounded and i i don't know what else to say other than if we don't make a change and start doing something about it 
we're going to be causing a lot more damage than what we can do in the future to repair it. All right, guys. Next topic. And I saw this and I'm like, wow, there is some major change going on in the home buying market. Four home buying trends that are on their way out. And I say gonzo. And this is scary because some of these, I don't know why they're going away, but they are. But are we creating a bubble in the market uh, by doing so? And the first one is needing a 20% down on a home, which we all know if you put 20% down or more, you avoid PMI, private mortgage insurance. And of course, there's different levels and there are different um, percentages based upon what you put down. Well, in this article that I found, they did a survey and 53% of millennials are willing to put down less than 15% on a home, while 27% are planning to put down less than 10%. This is where it gets even crazier. As for Generation Z homeowners, they're willing to put down 3 to 5% on a home. Now, if they're doing conventional financing, they're going to have PMI. But if they qualify for FHA, then it's a whole different story. But some of these individuals potentially are not going to qualify for FHA depending on uh, debt-to-income ratios. But there could be some options for them down the road uh, that could work out. But they have to be able to understand that not putting down 20% can impact them for a period of time. You know, it could be three to five years that they have to pay private mortgage insurance. Well, just think of it. If it's, let's call it a $150 extra a month or a hundred bucks, so let's round it up. That's $1,200 a year, $4,800 over four years, $6,000 over five years. What could you have done with $6,000? It just, it's it's mind-blowing. Uh, mind I know that we have to change with the times, but also at the same time, are we setting up these home buyers for failure in the future? Now, in this in this article, they don't talk about how many of them are, are taking out a 30-year or 15-year mortgage or even a five-year arm or a three-year arm. I don't know. But if 53% of millennials are willing to put down less than 15% on a home, then guess what? They're, they're going to be paying private mortgage insurance. And that's going to eat into their budget, which again, interest rates are going up. As of today, they're at 3.14. We're above that three threshold, which we're seeing a huge decrease in refinances and demand. Uh, the other thing also happens is uh, their dollar is stretched even further. So can they qualify for a home that they want in a neighborhood they want, that'll be a challenge for sure. I just don't know what the outcome of this is going to be down the road. It can have some problems. I don't know if that's going to show up in the secondary market with note buying uh, and those trends, but 
we'll have to see and find out, but that's, that's going away. Second thing that I saw that I thought was interesting is uh, these buyers are not going to open houses and checking out houses in person. They're doing it virtually. And that's a new trend because Zillow and all those other websites are are making it easier for you to do that. And, and you can have an agent that does a Zoom with you or a live, a live connect for you. But the one thing that you're missing there is you're being able to get the feel of the house, the neighborhood, and what's going on. It kind of gives you that vibe of do you like it, yes or no. I mean, if you're going to buy it sight unseen, when I say sight unseen as in physically being there, what about if you show up and you don't like the neighborhood, but you like the house? It just becomes problems. Actually physically seeing them before you buy at some point would be suggested, but it's, it's going away too. And that just, it just blows my mind also. You know, and part of that is, you know, seeing it in person, going to open houses, to me, they're both the same thing. And that was number three in this article. Um, but they don't, they don't seem to want to be the type of people that come out and find and locate a house in person and then go see it. Uh, they rather do it virtually. And I understand we're in COVID and we have all that going on. But again, you got to check out the neighborhood. You got to check out the house. And if it's something you don't like and you end up signing on the dotted line, you're stuck with it. And if you haven't heard, there's been plenty of stories and nightmares of these buyers that have bought houses sight unseen, waived their inspection rights, and everything in between just to stand out in the offer process so they could buy a house. And now they're stuck with tens of thousands of dollars of repairs. Because they didn't get it inspected. I saw one that had uh, foundation uh, issues and some basement issues, which, which was going to cost her close to $60,000. And she doesn't have the funds to cover it. So she's stuck with a house that potentially could have foundation issues where it does. And it can fall down on her. That's crazy. And there's nothing they can do at this point because they waived their rights to an inspection. And the last, I think, is really cool, is physical papers and physical signings is going away, uh, and you can do everything virtually. And I think that's that's cool. That's a great that's a great step because signing all that paper uh, in person is a pain in the butt. You still have to sign it virtually too, uh, but you don't have to go through all the the aggravation of schlepping to the title company and doing all that. Um, I don't know if it's going to go away altogether because some states like here in Arizona, we still have to go to title companies and close on our properties. Um, some states allow you to do it virtually and do everything electronically. I think that's cool. If you can streamline the paperwork and make sure that all those things line up, I think that makes the home buying process a lot easier and less daunting, especially on first-time home buyers that are overwhelmed to begin with. So when they get this stack of paper of uh, papers of 500 pages or more, they're like, oh God, what do I do? I'm hoping in the virtual world, there'll be a better way to explain the paperwork because if you have a good notary or a loan signing agent that's doing the work, he or she will explain each page of what they are 
and where you need to sign, and then you need to do your homework and review the paperwork. And that paperwork will come to you prior to signing, so you can review everything and know what you're signing. But they will be there also to guide you and educate you uh, on what you're signing. They can't give you direction, but they can help you understand. And if you don't feel comfortable, then you you go through the process and, and learn about it and then sign when you're ready. You might lose the property, but you got to do what you got to do. The virtual thing will need some touch to it, some human touch. I don't know where it's going to go. We'll see what happens. All right, guys, this last segment changes at our doorstep. Uh, I know I've kind of talked about in the past, and this is just me talking from my heart. Changes uh, a bitch at times and dealing with it and, and, and trying to move forward um, is not an easy task. And we, we're faced with change on a daily basis. But I wanted, I just wanted to talk about change in life. I mean, we all want better things. But sometimes we can't see the end of that force that's in front of us. And it just seems like it's overwhelming. And we decide just to stay put and not push change. I know change is painful. And I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, the image or uh, the picture that's out there of an iceberg. And it shows all the happiness of the entrepreneur that's at top. But on the bottom, you have all the pains, you know, the struggles, the ups and downs, the monies, the, uh, the money struggles, the, the personal struggles. Those are true. Me being a, an entrepreneur, um, the struggle is real on a daily basis. And when you're faced with adversity um, as an entrepreneur, everything else kind of steps aside and you have to figure out how to make things work. Otherwise, everything falls. House of cards. Goodbye. And your personal life struggles, your family life struggles, it all struggles because you're trying to keep things together. And I'm, I'm telling you this personally, professionally, whatever you want to pull out of it. It's a struggle at times for me as an entrepreneur. And if you would have asked me four years ago, five years ago, um, would I would I continue, if I'm at the current place I am today in life, would I want to make a change and go back to working uh, in corporate America? I would tell you no, um, because I didn't have, I, I mean, corporate America, you still don't have a way to control your destiny because you're still working for someone else. Here, I know I can control my destiny and make changes, but it all falls on your shoulders. And when you're trying to pull together projects and fund them and make sure everything hits deadlines, and oh, by the way, make sure you keep a roof over your head, welcome to Startupville, um, and then expand and start building new houses and building blocks and changing neighborhoods, it wears on you. Um but I want to tell you from my experience going through all this, I'm kind of, uh, uh, not kind of, I'm, I'm pushing to the end of that, that journey to where the light is there and I can see it. Um, we're, we've had some, some troubles um, with 
some of construction pieces that we've done, which have caused us delays. COVID happened, which I know we all know that and, and how that affected us. Um, it just affected small business entrepreneurs differently. And uh, just talking from my experience and, and every day I wake up and it's a, it's a fresh start. The thing that I wanted to get to you guys is if you're going through, you know, some hard times and you think that it's not going to change, it truly isn't going to always be that way. It, it does get better, but it does take you to make that change and want the change. And when I say this is I use this five second rule. If I think about it for five seconds and say, you know, let's say I need to figure out how I'm going to. Uh, make a change in our operations. I think about it for five seconds and understand that, okay, if I don't make this change, what will happen? If I do make this change, what will happen? I eliminate the negative and go right to the positive and start looking at the positive aspects of the change. And I do the same thing in my life. But it's, it's hard on the personal front to be able to balance all those things out in in your life when there's a lot of things coming down on you and people struggle with that i struggle with it but i'm here to tell you guys you can make the change support yourself with strong people that are positive that are ads in your life they don't take away but the other thing is if you're goal-oriented, you're motivated, putting your goals out in front of you, it doesn't have to be just professional, but your personal goals too. Be a better husband, be a better father, or things that you want to do with your kids or your wife or your girlfriend, um, things you want to accomplish in business. It's all there. It's just a matter of, is the do you want to continue to stay in the, the, the place that you're in today? Or can you see yourself changing to that better person in the future and getting yourself in, a, in a, a place that you don't have these worries, you don't have these concerns, but the thing that you have to continually remind yourself is change is in front of us and it's at our doorstep on a daily basis. And you always have to change and evolve because if you're not, you're staying in the same place and that's not going to help you evolve. That's not going to help you grow as a person or an entrepreneur or a husband or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a wife. Guys, I know change is hard and it's been a rough 18 months, but I'm here to say from my heart, it can be done, guys. Stick with it. Don't give up on your dreams, whether it's professional or personal. And love those people that are around you that are supporting you on that journey. Hope you guys have a great day. That's it. I'll see you guys on the other side. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Have those conversation, guys. Engage with others. It's okay to talk and have differing opinions. That's what made us the greatest country on earth. Have a good one. Talk to you guys later.